building a company from nothing is freaking hard. Us entrepreneurs are expected to deal with unimaginable challenges and somehow keep a cool head through it all. This is The Art of Entrepreneurship, and I'm your host, Jackie Hermes. I grew my company, Excelity, from zero to seven figures with no partners and no funding. The Art of Entrepreneurship is a show where we cut through the BS and dig into what it actually takes to start and grow a company. If you give me your time, I promise it won't be wasted. Now let's get to work. Hello and welcome back to The Art of Entrepreneurship. Today's guest is a client of ours at Excelity, my marketing agency, Chris Hurd, who is a serial entrepreneur and a tech sales leader, and he's the CEO and co-founder of Olive, a company that is on a mission to take the bias and inefficiency out of IT decision-making. We're going to get into a whole bunch of different topics during this conversation, including the founding story of the company, why in the world buyers and salespeople are always constantly at odds with each other. And Chris ends up turning the tables on me and asking me a couple of questions as well. I really loved this conversation and appreciate you tuning in. Hey, Chris, thanks for joining me today. I really appreciate it. Great to be on. Yes. So let's start. I guess at the beginning with your founding story. I know that your company is the olive branch between technology buyers and sellers, which I love because it really brings in your brand and the symbolism. Tell me how you came up with this idea and then we'll go from there. Okay, well, olive branch was like later on and calling it olive was a random thing. It took us ages to come up with a name. Okay. But <laughs> the idea behind it was really because both me and my co-founder had been selling technology for many years and realized that while a lot of people we were selling to really needed the technology we were selling, some people maybe didn't need the technology we were selling, but we were still able to sell it anyway. Uh, and really, as an individual salesperson at one individual company, you only have one option to sell anyway. So as much as we want to be, oh, buy whatever's right for you, if you only have one thing to sell and you have a quota to meet, you really push your stuff, right? So what we wanted to do was help buyers to make a, a more unbiased decision in the technology, but also to help sellers to be able to only deal with customers that are really good fits for their software. And that was kind of sort of the moral reason why we built it. When we started getting into it, we realized there was a, a really good financial opportunity because a lot of work is being done by third parties, um, a lot of manual like requirements gathering, uh, a lot of reports being purchased by buyers just to sift through. I mean, thousands and thousands of dollars of going to conferences all the time to try and figure stuff out. Just mm -hmm. working out which technology is right for your business is a huge industry that was really underserved by software. It was mostly manual. Obviously, spreadsheets is technically software, but still, you know, people doing a lot of work in spreadsheets. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we, we thought, oh, there's an opportunity here to sort of almost balance out the the seesaw of uh, of power in these decisions so it's less buyers sort of fumbling around in the dark while the vendors have the candle and are leading them towards whatever end they want to <laughs> and make it just a bit more of a balance yeah that makes sense and i want to dig into kind of the first thing you said which is the sales piece and i have worked with lots of sales teams and some of them are better about this than others you know some of them are a really consultative sale and some of them will even turn people away but most people are 
not, right? They are trying to sell no matter what because they have that quota to meet. And it creates this environment where buyers and sellers are kind of sometimes at odds with each other. And that is not what we want, right? Like you want to have the same goals and you want to feel really comfortable when you're buying from someone. I think that buyers are looking for the best solution from sellers and sellers are trying to sell sometimes at any cost. How do you bring those parties together knowing the issues kind of just in the way that quotas are even set up? You know, it's difficult. And I think the consultative sale is often a luxury that people who have crushed quota get. And then if you're way behind quota, it becomes a lot harder. Uh, so, you know, I think being a salesperson is a really difficult job. And, and I think it's also a, a much maligned job and people look down on it sometimes. Um, and it's really not their fault. They have quotas to, to hit, right? So I think that it, it can be challenging. The way I look at it, though, is if you have an argument with a loved one, right, usually in most arguments, even you're both trying to get to the same end goal, mm -hmm. but you're coming at it from different points of view and you can't really see each other's point of view because you think you're right. And most of these arguments get settled when you both compromise a little bit and you both meet in the middle and you do the work to see the other person's side. Yep. And I think this relates to, to buyers and sellers in many cases where buyers put, well, you're a seller and you have this intent. And sellers will often say, well, you're a buyer and you don't really understand my technology because I know everything about it. And so I think it's dropping that down and Sellers helping buyers to understand more upfront. Maybe it's going to take a little bit longer. You can't be as direct jump to the close. It might take a little bit more education and that leans on marketing too, uh, but really making sure that the buyer has enough information and is educated enough. But then on the buyer side, you really have to put yourself in the salesperson's shoes and, and realize they are trying to align their software with your needs. And so when you get these boring demos that go on for hours that aren't relevant, and then they follow up a bunch of emails, part of the reason why they do that is because you didn't, really clearly explain what your needs are. You weren't really that open with what your requirements were, and maybe you weren't listening as much to the salesperson. So I think there's, it really is a two-way street where both sides just have to make a little bit more effort to understand the other person's point of view and where they're coming from. Um, and then we can start to really work together to get that deal done in a, in a way that suits both parties. You think some of that is a training issue? Like I... I talk to a lot of salespeople that are still kind of required to do the same thing that we were doing 10 years ago, which was like the, the always be closing mentality and the sell no matter what and the pound the phones and annoy the hell out of people, you know, regardless of whether they want what you have or whether they need what you have. How would you teach people differently at this point? Wow, that's a really difficult. I, don't, I, don't, I definitely don't have the answer. And one interesting thing about sales is that it actually hasn't, you know, a lot of the skills haven't really changed that much over time. The one thing that I think has changed massively with the internet is mass outreach and, and massive, um, a huge amount of information being thrown at buyers that there wasn't before. So I think that that is really the biggest change. And unfortunately, when there's just so much noise out there in order to stand out, sometimes being noisy is the answer. Uh, I really think this year and, and moving forward with the the Google changes and the, the email changes, I think this, this will actually have an impact. Mm -hmm. And I think what I could say in terms of how people can shift that selling is look, you have to educate regardless. And I think it's going to be, again, a slower burn. I think there's going to be self people will hate this, I'm sure, but you've really got to work closer with marketing, I think is going yeah. to be key. And really leaning on marketing to help provide you with the educational content, give you a, a leg up 
especially on social, LinkedIn is becoming more and more a relevant place for salespeople to not just directly sell and jump in on people, but actually to share their message and why they are valuable and why you should take a conversation with them. So I think, again, you know, if they can work together with marketing, that, that should help a bit. I don't, like I said, it doesn't have, I don't have the magic bullet, but I do think if we can, if we can bring those two teams together, it's going to help a lot. It's wild that I kind of thought that that problem would be solved by now. And yet those teams are still so at odds with each other. I remember in my first ever marketing job, I got sent to a conference in Vegas with a largely male sales team. And there were like 15 sales guys there and me. And my job was basically to bond with them and understand what they what they needed and how to work better with them. And we were all talking about how we're gonna bridge this divide and we're gonna be different. And still today, it's exactly like that. Why do you think that is? You know, I mean, I have a philosophical thought to this. I think there is a, there's a short-term mentality to, to growth. Yeah. in companies that trickles down from venture capital and markets that goes down to quarterly targets that goes down to salespeople. And I think if you have a very short term goal that you need to achieve, which is a monthly or quarterly target or annual target even, but you know, there's a lot of pressure on salespeople to get things done very, very quickly, particularly if you have a six to nine month sales cycle, you've got to do a lot of stuff constantly. And so while salespeople need to do that, marketing doesn't work like that at all yeah and marketing just you you can't put a monthly target like from zero to loads of leads in one month just doesn't happen with marketing and so i think that it there's a lot of conversation happens between these two parties and not a lot of action that's one of the issues because you get impatient salespeople and part of why salespeople are impatient by the way is because they get fired a lot i think like if, mm -hmm. if you don't hit your quotas, it's one of those the sort of churn and burn um, industries, right? Sales is tough. And so a lot of salespeople are nervous to invest heavily in something that may or may not work over nine, 12 months yeah. because they need to hit something tomorrow. And that's, I think, I, I don't know how we overcome that because it really is sort of a top-down issue of, of we need stuff now. Um, it's just, yeah. It's, I don't know how we solve it, but working yeah. to try, let's try and work together on it. I think yeah, it's absolutely. It's so interesting because I've always seen this from the marketer's perspective, right? Where I do see like impatient salespeople and no one wants to wait for the process to work. And most people are like that with marketing, but I do think that marketers have to take some accountability for it too, because a lot of times marketers sit back and they're like, let the process work and it takes how long it takes and and they have a hard time kind of signing up to to meet those numbers or whatever it may be so i kind of just like you were talking about with uh arguing in a relationship and meeting in the middle that's exactly what sales and marketing has to do too and stand in each other's shoes i think that's one of the things that has kind of shaped my career is that I've always worked so closely with salespeople. And so I get it. Well, and I'm a salesperson myself, you know, of, of my own company. And I do have the benefit of being able to be very consultative and you have to be when you're selling services like that. But I have coached so many marketers that are like, well, we're just going to set goals around this and we're going to hope we get there, you know? Well, that's really interesting. I mean, there's a couple of things there. One, being a founder is totally different and being a, 
it being the leader of a company that has to do sales and marketing and ops and everything else yeah. really advances your skills in any area, I think, because you can see so around, around so many more corners and you can understand other people's points of view, which I think if everyone could start a company for a while, I think it would be amazing. Not everyone has that luxury, but if you can, I think it's phenomenal in learning the skills of a business, no matter where you go, if you go into product or sales or marketing, whatever, the ability to understand each other's point of view is just it's incredible. I, I, I know full well that I'm a better salesperson now because I've learned how marketing works. Yeah. Um, to, the, to the other point of sort of marketing sometimes, almost using it as an excuse, I think. It takes ages, so let's use it as an excuse. It's the same thing as when I was talking about earlier salespeople getting, um, people box them in and say, oh, these are impatient people that just want to drive sales and just want to deal done and leave us. I think it's just a, a few bad apples that give salespeople that, uh, image. Yeah. I mean, those movies that you mentioned, the ABC, but a Glengarry <laughs> stuff doesn't help. Yeah. But but definitely there's a, there's a few bad apples that kind of make people look like that. And I think it's the same with marketing, right? If you, I've been through plenty of marketing teams and work with plenty of marketing teams that do that. It's an excuse. Nothing happens for 18 months. And you're like, okay, <laughs> we let the process run out and nothing has happened. Yeah. Uh, and I think that just leaves a bad taste in people's mouth and they just say everything about that process is too slow and people say everything about salespeople is just too aggressive. And that's where I, I don't know how we do it, but I, you know, maybe there's like spend a month in marketing or something like, I don't know, do some marketing work for a little bit and then marketers have to cold call or, or book meetings for a week. Some way of cross pollinating that I think would be really useful because I'm now ranting. A lot of people and in our company too, we get everyone to use the product and demo the product and we get people very involved in product because product is all, often product and engineering is very separate to the company. Right. So everyone's like, oh, you've got to get sales and marketing using the product. I wonder if we treat similar cross pollination within those departments and have, okay, well, you know what, salespeople try and get inbound leads, <laughs> like try and set a campaign up for a month and see how many leads you actually get out of it. Mm -hmm. And marketers get on the phones and cold call and see if you can book meetings with a you must book five meetings this week deadline. And maybe that'll help us understand. I don't know. Just oh thought. my gosh. If you made marketers cold call, I would <laughs> die to see how that would go. Cause I've done plenty of cold calling in my career and it is not the most enjoyable thing I've ever done. No. Um, smiling and dialing that part's still true. So, Let me ask you this then Jackie, yeah, sorry, yeah. you have another question, but what's the worst part of marketing? If that's the worst part of sales, what's the worst part of marketing? I think the worst part of marketing is there's just a general skepticism and kind of lack of trust. And I think that everyone thinks they're a marketer, right? Anyone that has seen marketing and knows anything about marketing or has done a little bit of marketing, they think they're a marketer. And so I've been in lots of situations where people want to dictate how the program goes when they haven't been in marketing for as long as they need to or for you know, a certain period of time, like if you were market, a marketer 10 years ago, you're not a marketer now. Um, it's just, so I think that's probably the hardest part. Actually, I just recorded some LinkedIn content on that. So we're going to be talking about it soon. <laughs> Check it out. That was a good question. Thank you. Um, so I know we were talking about advice for entrepreneurs. I'm interested in people who are in a role like sales or like engineering or like marketing and going into entrepreneurship, what's your best advice for how to make that transition? Cause it is not a simple one. No, it's not. And I think that just like everybody's a marketer, I feel like everybody's an entrepreneur. 
Yeah. Everyone thinks they can run a business and that's, yeah. it really is challenging. Uh, the, I'll tell you, I don't know if I can give one piece of advice. There's a lot of things. One, jump in and do it. I think it's number one. Like, don't just do it. If you've got the, the time to do it, if, you're, if you, you're worried about, oh, this isn't the right time, this isn't the right time, there's never going to be a right time. They say the same thing about having kids, and I think it's the same thing here. It's just there's never a right time to start a business, so now is the right time. So I would just jump in. One lesson for salespeople particularly is what I've learned the most from this is that sales is a small part of a machine and I always thought that sales was the only thing that matters and every CEO that I ever worked for I would always say why aren't you doing this why aren't you doing this and it was all coming from a sales background right it was just this is, will help sales why would you not do this this is what the prospects want so change the product and do this thing there was just so much and that was even just sales not even customer success just like solely net new business sales was what I always thought was the number one and be all and end all and it's vital that you have some sales skills Regardless, if you're not a sales founder and you're a technical founder, learn how to sell like a hundred percent. Absolutely. But as a salesperson going into being a founder, look into the other facets of the business and embrace them really, really quickly because there's so much ops is just a whole behemoth to itself. The administrative headache that comes with starting a business and running a business, don't underestimate it and understand it. Um, marketing, like don't just rely on the way that you have done things before. Just because you did cold call outbound SDR led sales at previous experience, try it, but that might not be the way that you generate pipeline for your business. Maybe inbound is, is right for your business. Maybe outbound is right for a business. Who knows? But don't just assume because you know how to do something that that's how you should drive pipeline. You have to test all the different options. And if you're not so good at one of the options, then either get good at it or find someone who is because ultimately you have to meet the customers where the customers are. So be adaptable, I guess is yeah. what I'm wrapping up. Absolutely. And I think that I'm always skeptical when there's the playbook, we're going to come implement the playbook. And it's like, playbooks are cool. And, you know, it's great that you have run XYZ strategy and been successful in the past. And also, playbooks have to be more like guardrails than really, like, stickler rules that we can't flex from. Because the biggest thing I've learned about entrepreneurship is you have to be flexible about everything all the time like yeah. and you have to be able to change your mind when you have new information presented to you and you have to be willing to pick up and do anything within a business which you just named a bunch of the functions like how many times have i created financial reports and been like what am i doing i do not want to do this at all and i don't have a clue what i'm doing but it's me and i guess i'm gonna do it because it's up to me so being adaptable and flexible is really important. And I think that that is a perfect place to end. Cool. I, yeah, I really appreciate your time. I thought all of the insights that you gave were really, really perfect and insightful. And I think that everyone's going to find value in this podcast. And for everyone that's listening, if you did find value in the lessons that Chris just shared, please share with just one person help bring us some new listeners to this podcast or share it on social. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, Jackie.